All right. How are we tonight? Good, good. Let's pray together before we dive into the Word of God. Father, you're the greatest of all time. Lord, we believe that with everything that we are. We believe that you breathed out creation. God, in shalom, in peace, you made everything that we see, God. Every fiber of our being, God, Lord, every, everything that our eyes will ever set upon, God, you made. You are worthy of our worship tonight. And God, I pray as we walk into just a time in the Word to where we listen, God, to you primarily and only, God, we listen to you. We look at your Word tonight. And we ask you, God, to open our eyes to see and open our ears to hear and God, open our hearts to receive from you everything that you have for us. Don't let us miss a thing in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody together said, amen. amen. Tonight, I'm going to, the series uh, that the Lord laid on our hearts as a staff and that we wanted to move through together as a team and as a church is about worship. So when, when you start thinking about worship, the heart of worship, what is the, what is the heart of worship? What is Worship at all when we begin to, to wonder and grapple with those things. And if you were to ask some, some might say, well, worship is music or worship is prayer or worship is preaching or worship is working or worship is when we build things in our building or worship is art or raising a family. And all of those things would be correct. The Bible in Romans 12 verse 1 says, I appeal to you, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship, depending on the translation that you read. It could say your spiritual act of worship. Paul's writing, I want you to submit all of who you are to God because that in itself is worship. So I want to tell you tonight kind of what worship is not first before we dive into what worship really, really is. Worship is not just music. It's not just prayer. It's not just preaching. There's some places and some people believe that, that, that worship, when you say the word worship, when we come to worship, we come to sing. And the word worship is just associated with that singing. Or some would say that it's just praying. When we go and we spend hours in meditation, in deep, deep travailing prayer, that's when we're worshiping. Some would say... When I go to work, I'm worshiping God. I want you to hear this. Everything else that encompasses our life, listen, these are all good things. All appropriate when given the right place and the right honor. But when these things are valued over the Savior and over the gospel and over the glory of God, they become faulty gods and lead to paths of idolatry. Do you hear me tonight, church? Music is wonderful. But if music becomes our idea of worship, then we will feel like our worship is quenched when it's not the style we like or go the direction or the volume that we like. Our identity of worship will be connected to music rather than to the one the music is about. See, that's why worship can't just be music. It can't just be preaching because some preachers are pretty bad. I'll just put a period there. We'll move on to the next point. But it, it can't just be working, but when we go to work, our work is worship. And, and, and I want you to hear this, and I'm going to move a little further into this point later on, but this church, building buildings, renovating things, can be worship. But when those things are exalted over God, it turns into idolatry, and we get into a dangerous place. Sometimes good medicine 
tastes really bad going down, but if you'll just sit with it, I promise it'll do good for you. Listen to this. Exodus 20 and verse 3. You say, TJ, why do you say something like that to us? That music is not worship and prayer is not worship. Preaching is not worship. Those, all those things together can be, but that we shouldn't define it that way. Because listen, Exodus 20 verse 3 says, You shall have no other gods before me. Exodus 34 14 says, For you shall worship no other god. For the Lord whose name is Jealous is a jealous God. Deuteronomy 6 13 says, It is the Lord your God you shall fear. Him you shall serve. And by his name you shall swear. You should not go after other gods. When we put music or the preacher or the work or buildings or art or raising a family... As our sole aim, the sole aim of our affections, what we are really doing is putting all of our stock and all of our love and all of our vitality into things that were not created to be worshipped. The family was not created to be worshipped. This building was not created to be worshipped. The style of music that we sing or play was not created to be, wor to be worshipped. Music itself was not created to be worshipped. So let me just let you in on what happens the word glory is also a word kabod, means weight, the heaviness. And there's only one person who holds all glory and all power. So when we begin to give glory to other things, when we begin to, to, to aim our affections and to put our lives into our family only or into music only or to the building of our church only, those things get kind of broken down because they weren't made to be worshipped. We wonder why there's fractions at times or disunity in our family or in our church or even at our job while we're so dissatisfied and oftentimes we just forget we don't even realize that we've begun to worship the created rather than the creator we, 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 we have no idea that we put all of our weight and all of our stock in things that were created by a holy sovereign righteous God you say well that's what worship is not we shouldn't place it on these things so what is worship I'm going to give you three simple things tonight, and it's a million things. I could tell you tonight that it's really just laying your whole life down, everything that you are, your whole being, laying it down and offering up to God for Him to do whatever He wants to do with it. And that would be sufficient. But I want to dive into three points tonight with you. And if you're taking notes, point number one, worship is about ascribing worth. Worship is about ascribing worth giving worth, crediting worth to where it belongs. Listen to Psalm 29, 1 through 2. Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of His holiness. Do you see the theme of Scripture? That's where worship belongs. Not on me, not on this place, not on something that's going to rust and be cheapened and one day fade and break down. Ascribe to the Lord glory. Ascribe glory to the Lord. If our affection should go in any direction, in any place, let it be to the Lord because He's the only one that can be worshipped and never break down and never fail, never back up and never give in. Ascribe glory to the Lord. We sing the song, I'm coming back to a heart of worship. And when you think about the heart of worship, the heart of worship, the center of worship, the theme of worship is the worth of God. The heart of worship is the worth of God. He's worthy and he's mighty. Listen to this. He is worthy because he is. 
was and has always been. And He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We worship God not because of what we gain from Him, but simply because who He is. We don't worship God because He blesses us and benefits us to live in a free country. That's not the source of our worship. We don't worship God because He blesses us and pours out sometimes financial or, or, or health benefits and blessings. He heals our bodies. He does those things. Those aren't the reasons. That's not the core, the heart of why we worship Him. We worship Him because He's the only one worthy to be worshipped. If there are no finances and if the health fails, if the church crumbled, He would still be worthy of worship because He's God. If everything that we know and hold dear faded or was taken from us, he would still be worthy because he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's worthy because he's the creator, the sustainer, the warrior, and the comforter. You say, TJ, are you sure? Let's listen to what he has to say. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Psalm 54.4, surely God is my help. The Lord is the one who sustains me. Exodus 15.3, the Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 4 blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and all comfort, who comforts us in our affliction so that we might go and comfort others. He is the creator, the sustainer, the mighty warrior, and the comforter. That's why we worship him. That's why we ascribe worth to him. That's why we bow down. That's why we raise our hands. And you say, TJ, you look a little foolish. It might help if you would sometimes. That can't be edited out, so that's just for free. And because he's faithful... Not only is he creator, not only is he comforter, not only is he a mighty warrior and our sustainer, but he is faithful. Second Thessalonians 3, 3 says, but the Lord is faithful and he who strengthens you, he's the one who strengthens you and protects you from the evil one. He is faithful. So listen, when life doesn't go the way that we planned or when church doesn't go the way that we planned or work doesn't go the way that we planned or music doesn't go the way they're planned, just list those out. He's the faithful one. He's the one we look back to. He's the one that we ascribe worth to. And I want you to hear this. I'm going to read this. And I, I want you to hear my heart. We worship God because He's God and because we are not. He is the only one who fully satisfies and redeems. Therefore, we use music. Not because... We worship a certain style, but because music is a gift that lifts up the story of God and the glory of God and the gospel. Amen? That's why we love hymns. Because they tell the story of God. That's why we love any song, regardless of style, because it lifts up the gospel and the glory of God. But we don't worship music. And we pray, but both privately and corporately, not to hear ourselves unpack lengthy theological jargon, but to speak to and of the highest one who is sovereign, patient, and willing to listen. We preach, but not to motivate the masses to cheat morality, but to ascribe worth and glory due His name. We work, but not just to bring home a paycheck, but so that Christ can be lifted in the corporate sector, in the classroom, in the janitor closet, and at the cash register. Listen, we build buildings... And we renovate chapels. 
And we offer every bit of this property up to the glory of God for whatever He wants to do for one purpose, because He's worthy and because He is God. Not because we own this place, not because we pour tithes in here, not because this place is ours. Listen, the, the desire of God is that we would open our hands up and say, God, this place and everything that we have is yours. Please, we don't want the worship. There was one, one, one time who, in the course of history, he looked at the throne of God and he thought, you know what, I think I could be worshipped. I think I could, I could do that job. I could sit on that throne. He was a beautiful angel. A beautiful created being in the presence of God. But his pride... And his sin led him to, and scripture says it like this, to be cast down like lightning. Satan. <laughs> Ascribing worth and glory to our personal preferences or our wants ends badly. <laughs> I don't advise a conversation with the devil, but if you were to have one, he would probably say, at the end of time, the worst decision I ever made was thinking that I could be worshipped thinking that my wants could be worshipped. Hmm. So hear this. I'm going to read that last part just because it's, it's good for my own soul to hear. We build buildings, we renovate chapels, and we do whatever God would have us to do with this property, not because we own it or because it's ours, but because it's His. It belongs to Him fully, and we want to use it to reach people for His glory. We eat, we drink, and we enjoy good art, not to revel in art or in the food, but to be reminded of the one who provides it all. Listen, worship isn't about just what we do. It's not about what we do. It has everything to do with who we are. If ascribing worth is what worship really is, if, if giving glory is what worship is in every single area of our lives, that means when we're, we're cooking eggs in the morning for the family, we're ascribing worth to God. We can give glory to God while we're cooking eggs or standing in a long line at a restaurant, right? We can do everything that we do for the glory of God. That means that our cooking and our life and our eating and our buildings and our renovations and our music and our prayer and our preaching is not wasted because it's directed to the only one who can save Man, he's worthy. Worship is letting go of our preferences, our personal agendas, and our wants so that we might together, as one church, one family, ascribe him the worthy and honor due his name. Amen? Amen. Not only is worship, though, ascribing worth, if you're taking notes, next point would be worship is war. And for our hearts to be postured into a place where we would want to give God glory and ascribe worth to Him, we have to make war with our sin. There's, there's no way to cut it. There's no other way about it. We have to, as a church and as individuals in our daily lives, confront our sin. Listen to Matthew 5, 29-30. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one member... Then your whole body be thrown into hell. We have to confront our sin. Our pride that rises up, our own agenda that rises up. And I'm not talking about in our church, only in our homes at times or in our workplace. We have to make war with that sin. Because if anything, that will squelch our worship. 
Our pride and our preferences all through life will hold us back from giving everything over to God and saying, God, do whatever you want to do. But then we confess our sin. We don't just confront it. Listen, I want us to be a church, a whole church. We have, I don't, I don't even know if I can count all of our services on two hands. We have all kinds of services in all different places. But we're one church under the banner of Jesus Christ. And I want you to hear this. I want us to be a church that is unafraid to confront sin. And by that, I don't mean pointing our fingers at other people's sin. I mean looking in the mirror and confronting our sin. And then we confess our sin. James 5.16 says, Therefore, confess your sin to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. I would love to be a church that not only confronted sin, not only made war with sin, but also walked through the healing process when we can boldly and comfortably confess our sin to one another. So often as believers, we stay in hiding because we're afraid if we were to talk about our sin or to openly war with our sin, we would be cast down or or kicked to the side. And that's for good reason because so many churches, so many churches would rather just kick a sinner to the side than walk with him through the, the wrestle of messy grace. Isn't that true? Because it's easier. It's hard work to be a church that confronts sin. It's hard work to be a church that's built on the preference and the power and the glory of God rather than our own preferences. You can go across all the country and find churches that are bent on that. But it's hard work to to confront our sin. It's hard work to confess our sin. Listen, we confront our sin, we confess our sin, we continually trust in the sanctifying Spirit of God to radically transform us as He promised. Listen to this, and we have an active role in putting our sin to death. Colossians 3, 5, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, impurity, evil passions, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Listen, in short, make war with your sin. You say, TJ, how do I really worship Allow Christ to nail your sin to the cross and stop running back to it to pull it down. Make war with your sin. Make war with your pride. Lay it at the feet of Christ. Lay it at the foot of the cross. And take it to a brother or a sister that you can confide in and confess your sin. Walk through restoration and healing. One of the greatest worshipers in all of the Bible was one of the most reckless, in my term, idiots there ever was. And you look at the life of David. He had everything he ever wanted and he just wanted more. And he had the glory of God resting all around him. He would dance in the presence of God. But he always chased the wrong thing, didn't he? It's a lot like us. We have everything we could ever want. We have the incredible grace of God poured out through the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We need nothing else. But so often we run and chase things and ascribe worth to things that only fail us. So I say this and I say it boldly. Make war with your sin. Lay it before Christ. There's men, women sitting in this room who there are certain sins and that have just owned you for years and years and years. Through the power of Christ, through confession, through a church that loves you, you can look at your sin and say, you can't have me anymore. Last point tonight, and I'm going to wrap up here, and we're going to have a time of response. Not only is worship ascribing worth, giving 
worth and glory to God, surrendering our entire being to Him. Not only is it making war with our sins so that we can position and posture our hearts in a place to where He would receive that worship, but worship is also rest. I don't want you to hear this. We rest in the worth of God. We take shelter in the wor- we take shelter and we worship in the shadow of His Godness, if you will. He being the sustainer, the creator, the comforter, and the faithful one. The worth of God is the heart of worship. Tonight we have an incredible opportunity. And it's not because it's Monday Night Live, it's because we have this same opportunity every single day. The greatest opportunity is to give up yourself. I mean, to say, you know what, I, I think I'll just kind of lay me down today. God, my wants, my preferences, my idea. God, I think I'm just going to, I heard it said like this by one theologian. I'll tell this story and then I'm going to wrap up. He said this, he said, there's been times in my life where I really, really, really desired God to drive the car. I really desire. Anybody ever been there where you're just kind of at that place where you're like, God, I wish you would just carry Underwood this thing and take the wheel, right? Jesus, take the wheel. Come on. Right? And he said, but when I sit in the driver's seat and I, I tell Jesus, Jesus, I want to give you the glory. I want to ascribe the worth to you. I want you to take the wheel. He said, I really want Jesus to sit in the passenger seat and let me drive and just kind of redirect me occasionally. I'm sure nobody has a spouse that'll do that from time to time. <clears throat> he said, but then, you know, I kind of get bold and I say, Jesus, I really want you to drive. He said, so I get in the passenger seat. He said, but then I find I'm the one, though I trust Jesus. I'm kind of reaching over, still holding on to the wheel. He said, I get a little more bold in my faith and I say, God, I really want to give my life to you. I really want to ascribe the worth that you do. So I'm going to get in the back seat. He said, but I'm the worst back seat driver there ever was. So here's my resolve. God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shut off the car. I'm going to take out the key. I'm going to open the door. I'm going to hand you the keys and have you walk me to the trunk and ask you to put me in there. And you just go wherever you want to go. I want that to be the theme of our church. I want that to be the theme of our lives. God, here's the key. Take us wherever you want us to go because we have one purpose, we have one vision, and we have one goal, and that is to ascribe your glory, your worth to you, the only one who deserves it. That is the aim of our life. That's the aim of our church. We want to ascribe worth to you, Lord. And in the process, we want to see a lot of people saved. Amen? We want to see a lot of people saved. So I'm asking you a few questions, and I'm, I promise this time I'll wrap up. Have you made war with your sin in such a way that you've postured your heart to really worship God? Are you hanging on to old preferences or old sins or old hang-ups or old habits that are keeping you in a place where you really can't give God the glory and the worth that He deserves? And if so, listen, you have a God and you have a church family that wants to war with you against your sin. Confess it. Fall face down before Him. And this is what I love about Him. He never rejects. He won't turn you away because of your sin. He'll clean you, He'll redeem you, and He'll send you out for His glory. I want to be that kind of church. I want to be that kind of people. Let's pray.
Father God, if I ask the question of myself, there are places in my own heart and God sins in my own life that I know quench your spirit, quench worship. And Father, I pray tonight, God, Lord, that we would be a church, we would be a place that that we would boldly make war with that sin. Every single one of us, God, we're all guilty. But Lord, we all have the same opportunity to confess to you and to be sent out. So God, help us make war with our sin because we want to ascribe to you the glory due your name. We want to be that church. We want to be that people. So God, we boldly ask that you do in our hearts what we cannot do for ourselves, Holy Spirit. Move in power and move in might. In Jesus' name, amen.